Anybody grateful for all that God has done in this place? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody online grateful for the goodness and the greatness of our great God? I'm just telling you, he used the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And I am just honored that we get a front seat to see what God has done. Come on, somebody, one more time. Put it together for God. Woo! Woo, 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 woo. All right, you may be seated. Because now another service is coming. So help, help me Jesus finish on time today. Woo! I'm so excited. I don't even know what to do. Anyways, here we go. Um, I'm going to talk about faith. I'm going to talk about faith. And actually, I just felt led to do this for the next two weeks as well. I was going to do a, a sermon series uh, on, on work called Zoomed In. And I'm still going to do it. But it's going to be two weeks down the road um, because I want to talk about faith. Um, most of you know this. Um, without faith, finish it with me. It is in possible to please God. If you're going to connect with God, you have to have, say it with me, faith. That's right. If you're going to connect with him in any ways, you have to have this thing called faith. So it is, it is critical for us to have it and then to increase it as God leads us. So if you don't mind, um, I want God to increase all your faith, whatever the promises is that he has for you. I want you to receive them. And the only way you're going to receive them is if you increase your faith. So we're going to pray and then we're going to jump into the word today. Thank you from wherever you're watching us from. It is an honor to celebrate 12 years of God's faithfulness and greatness with you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray now that as we go into your word, um, you will do what you do so very well, that you will cut where we need to be cut, that you will heal where we need to be healed, that you will transform what needs to be transformed, that you will inspire what needs to be inspired so that we can look more like you and less like the world. Will you do that now? Remove me so that people can not be distracted by me, but hear what you have customized for each of us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. amen and amen. Again, thanks for being here. Um, at age 16, I had the privilege to be a part of a student ministry. And at 16, I had a challenge in front of me. Um, the challenge was that our student ministry back then didn't have a television. And it was my job to raise money to get a television so that the 50 of us that were there wouldn't have to go to somebody's house, but we could come and we could watch it at church and it would be the church's property. Now for you, that's nothing, but for a 16-year-old in a small island, that was everything. I thought it was like raising a million dollars. And we had to go to people individually and God had to increase my faith. I had seen it in my dad, but I, I'd never done it before. And so I had to raise the resources to purchase the television so that the students in the student ministry I was in would have an experience like they've never had before, all because of one television. It took me about seven months to raise the money from each individual I had to go to to ask them and share the vision with them so that they would believe that, um, that, 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 that these kids needed it and what it would do in their lives as a result of it. Six months later or so, we got the television, and I was, I was elated. I couldn't believe it. I was grateful to God that we used the resources. Little did I know, little did I know, that that was my first faith move to ask God to do something that I couldn't do by myself, 
and that he was setting me up for something that would happen later on in life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today, wherever you are right now, God is using your current situation. And all he wants to know is, will you be obedient right where you are? Because if you are, he is setting you up for something else that he's going to ask you to do later on. But if you don't have the faith to walk in obedience in your current situation, then you won't have it in your latter situation. I wish I had a witness in here today, but that's not all. Right after that, I got a scholarship to go to Texas Christian University. My dad said, son, I don't think that's right. I don't think you're ready yet. And it took faith again for me to not walk out like a fool and leave his house because I was so mad. And so I had to wait. And I said, okay, my dad must know something I don't know. And it took faith for my dad and then for me. And two years later, little did I know, little did he know, God would have been working in the background, provided a soccer, a soccer coaching position to a Jamaican coach in San Diego so that that coach would be looking for some soccer players, which then he called my dad to say, do you know any soccer players? That took faith. But little did I know he was preparing me for something that I would need later on in life. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know where you are, but I'm telling you, whatever level of faith you are right now, it is only a preparation for the next level. It's your assignment then to walk in obedience, to listen to the promises of God, and then to take a step of faith. And that means obedience right where you are. Little did I know, as if that wasn't enough. Then I had to figure out, okay, God, what else do you have for me? So then I went and I got, an, I got a bachelor's in accounting. I got an MBA in human resources. And I was ready to go make money. And I told you this story a hundred times before because I didn't want to be broke. And then God said, that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to do something else. And I was like, well, that's cool, but I've seen what that does to my dad, and I'm not signing up for that. So then God had to use another mentor of mine to register for Dallas Seminary. Then I got a call from them, and that, them telling me, I want you to come to our school. What? So then I had to make another move of faith. Am I going to trust God? Because here's what he told me, when you are 50 years old, if you don't do this now, back then I was about 23, 24, if you don't do this now, you will regret it for the rest of your life. So I had to then trust God one more time. God, I see a lot of dollar signs over here. I see generational blessings over here, God. And I see brokenness over here, God. Uh, it's the choice is pretty easy for me, God. Generational blessings are brokenness. And then for some strange reason, probably because of what I saw in my dad, I decided I'm going to follow what God has called me to do. If, if in the moment you're in, you're making the wise, obedient choice, God has a way to increase your faith. And he is taking you somewhere. Look at your neighbor and look at the person beside you at home and say, he's taking you somewhere. Look at the other one. Look at the, if you have a dog, tell your dog, he's taking us somewhere. That's right. That's right. That's right. Watch it. So I had to make that move. Then little did I know, little did I know then that the next thing he would ask me to do 
is I'm thinking I'm going to Jamaica. I'm planning a church. I'm going home, and I'm going to go to Jamaica. And I married me a girl, and when I married me this girl, I told her, Daddy, we're going to be broke in Jamaica, and we're good with that. Uh, that's what God's called me to do. We're going to suffer for Christ. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I'm trying to follow Jesus. So we're going to go to Jamaica and be broke. To which, some, for some reason, Jada said, yes, let's go be broke together. <laughs> Two years later, my senior pastor came to me and said, hey, man, I've given you this. I've given you a little thing to do, and you've blown it up. I'm not so sure that you should be going to Jamaica. I think you can help them more here than you can there. Then a group of pastors in Jamaica affirmed that and said, I don't think it's time for you to come. I think you can do more for us here, meaning in the U.S., than you can there. And so we want, we, we want to affirm God's move. So then I decided, okay, are you sure this is what you want me to do, God? Okay, so then we said, all right. God, if you just give us about 10 people, we're ready to go. That's all we need. Because we didn't see, listen, this is so important. Because I had purpose behind what we were doing. We never saw a church, never saw a church like we thought the Bible teaches. And we said, we're going after it. Let's go after a church where they live in community, where they fight for each other, and where they really believe that what God has called us to do is possible, not just in the New Testament, but here in Collin County in the name of Jesus. And so we set out to pull it off. Now, listen, listen, listen. If I didn't pass the first test, I wouldn't have gotten to the second. If I didn't pass the second test, I wouldn't have gotten to the third. If I didn't pass the third, I wouldn't have gotten here. And if I didn't pass that one, we wouldn't be here today. Here's all I'm trying to remind you. That every single time God puts an opportunity in front of you, he's trying to determine whether or not you're going to trust him or trust your circumstances. Uh, so, in light of that, I want to show you a story, and then I want to give you some principles, and then we're done. I want to show you a story, because I don't know where we going next. And I've had to have four, somebody say four. Four, four of my mentors have to, had to, they had to do this. Every time again, God has to do this to me, I don't know why, I think my, uh, my head's just so tough. Four of them had to say, let me tell you something, here we go now. Everybody listen to me real carefully. They said, when you first started... You were willing to risk everything. Then they said the next part that really cut me deep. Then they said, now that God has blessed you to a certain degree, you don't want to risk it anymore. And they said, so you needed to go do a, 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 a theological study of this thing called faith. Because your problem is you're stuck on what you can see in the physical realm, and you have no idea what God wants to do in the spiritual realm. But, oh, but that's not a word just for me. That's a word for you too. That some of you are so convinced that you've got it better than you've ever had it before, and you are stuck because you don't want to risk it like you did risk it when you had nothing and you came out of your mama and daddy's house. But now it costs too much to risk it. And they had to remind me, it's not your church, it's God's church. And you don't know what else he has in store for you. So your only assignment is to trust him and get confirmation from him about what you need to do next. And then your job is to, like you did when you were 16, trust that he will provide for you. Okay, let me help you out because some, some of you are not feeling me. Um, some of you have motion detectors in your house. As long the light is off, 
as long as there is no movement. But once the movement happens, then all of a sudden, lights come on everywhere in the house. Here's what God's trying to remind you today and remind me. As long as you don't walk in obedience, the, the path will not be illuminated. But if you ever decided to trust your God, and if you ever decided to say, God, I don't know where this is going to lead, but I'm going to make my first step. Then all of a sudden you see a path start illuminating and you start to say, whoa, I never knew that this was even possible for a little bitty Jamaican like me. I never knew it. But you got to make the move because if you don't, then you're going to stay in the darkness that you currently have. There is no dream too big that God cannot accomplish. And I'm coming back to remind you that. Anyway, so let me give you the story now. Here goes the story. Uh, that was just introduction, you know. Uh, the problem is when I got people in here, you egg me on. So, so, Lord have mercy. So here we go. Here we go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. So, 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 listen. Here's the story. It's, it's, it's found in uh, Numbers chapter 13. And chapter 14. The, the children of Israel had just come out of Egypt. That's where they were. They were in Egypt. They just got out of Egypt. And so the Holy Spirit said, all right, I need you, Egypt. I need you to go somewhere. And I'm calling you out. And I'm going to deliver you out of, say it with me, deliver you out of Egypt. That's right. So then he says, okay, and here's where I'm taking you. I'm taking you from Egypt. And I'm now taking you to a place called Say it with me, everybody. Canaan. He says, I'm taking you from Egypt, and I'm going taking you to Canaan. By the way, here's what, let me remind you of the story. He just took them out from the superpower of the day. The superpower of the day had them in slavery, and he broke them loose from it, and they were on their way to Canaan. Do not ever miss this about this story. Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. Then he said, I need you to send 12 spies... And I needed to tell them to go check out the land. Because he promised them it's a land flowing, say with me, with milk and, and honey. So they're going and they're saying, okay, that's what God says. That's what Moses and Aaron said. So let's go check it out. Listen, family, they spent 40 days there. 40 days. They snuck in, looked, they saw some big old grapes. They got all excited. Whoa, we ain't never seen nothing like this. God was right. And then they saw some big old giants, and they were like, whoa, whoa, I'm not so sure we can pull this off. So then they came back, and they started the report. Now, listen, here's what most people miss about the story. At that point, Numbers 13 and 14, do you know how long they were in the wilderness? Two years. They're only there for two years, fam, two years. So they're at the point in life, where, listen, where their decision is going to determine whether they spend 40 years in the wilderness wondering or whether they go into the promise that God has given them right now. The decision they made cost them 38 years of their lives. It cost them more. The 10 spies, they never got to see Canaan. I can tell you all their names today. You wouldn't even know who they are because they're a footnote in history because they lacked faith. I wonder if your life's going to be a footnote in history because you don't have the faith to believe what God says he's going to do. 
We got too many Christians that are playing it safe. Talk to anybody 80, 80 years old and older, and the number one thing they'll tell you every single time is they wish they had risked more. Anybody, they'll tell you. I, I just, I played it too safe. I played it too safe. I played it too safe. And we've got people listening right now that are playing it safe. And I came by to tell you, if God, his voice is clear, your only option is to obey him. So, so here it is. So they're, they're here and they're, they come back with a report and they're saying, hey man, what's up? What did you see? What did you see? So now I want to talk about the eyes of fear. Let's talk about the eyes of fear. Let's put on the glasses. You're looking through fear. What does this look like when you're wearing the glasses of fear? What does it look like when you're not trusting God and his promises? What does it look like when you're, when you're doubting God? What does it look like when you see the promise, but you also see the problem? What does it look like when the problem looms larger than the promise? So what I want to talk to you about today, there are five things, look at your notes, there are five things, five things, five things that, that, that's so clear to me that all of us do. Number one, let me give you all five, then I'll work through them. Number one is difficulties, number two is doubt, number three is discouragement, number four is discontentment, and number five is you start to blame God. I want you to watch what we do. This happens to us all the time. Number one is, listen, we exaggerate our problem. Number one is we blow up our difficulties. Number one is instead of, instead of hearing what God has told us to do, we now blow up, magnify the problems that we see. So God's trying to get us from Egypt, and he's trying to get us to Canaan, and all we do is we maximize the problem. So here's what we do. We say, God, I know what you said, but God, it looked to me like, Lord, have mercy, I don't know if I can do this because, God, don't you love when something happens on live TV, y'all? Don't you love it? Here we go. I got it, I think. Let's see. They tested it before, too. Oh, Lord. All right, I need your help now. Thanks. So let's not use this then. How about that? Praise the Lord. Just leave that up, and I'll put it here. So you've got the promises. And you've got the problem. Here's the challenge that we have. When this in your life looms larger than the promise, it means you can't see the promise that God has for you because you have fo you're so focused on the problem. You're so dialed into the problem. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? You know what these guys did? Can I tell you what they did? They saw some giants. And they said, God, I know what you said, and we saw the grapes. But the giants are so big, we can't pull off what you're calling us to do. God didn't ask them if they could pull it off. They interpreted that on their own. God just says, go spy it out and see if what I said was over there is over there. Now, here's the, here's the part you need to know. Let, let me tell you something about problems. This is so important. Later on in the passage, not this one, but it's later on as you read the story. Here is what the, the, the Canaanites and all the enemy had said. The Israelites are fearful of the enemy. Can I tell you what the enemy is saying? The enemy is saying the same thing. 
we are fearful of you because if your God can deal with Pharaoh, the superpower, then what is us, a little tribe? We are terrified of you. They didn't know that yet, though. They didn't know that. They're just going off of, off of what they had seen with their eyes. The same people that they're terrified of, they're terrified of them too. But they didn't know it. So they walk around in fear, hiding the promises of God and exaggerating the problem. We do it all the time. Let me tell you something else. <laughs> the tall giants that they saw, they found out a little later that these giants were not, were not um, the warriors. They were the gentle people in the land. The warriors were somebody else, but they saw something, they interpreted it, and they all of a sudden thought that these people can take us. Who asked you to measure them? I wonder what problem you have in your life today that you have blown up when God's asked you to conquer. I wonder what situation you find yourself in today where you are so concerned about whether or not you're going to make it. And God is saying, if I gave you the promise, then I'm going to call you to this and I'm going to see you through it. My brothers and sisters, we have too many of us that are terrified and we're acting as if there is no God. If he can do it with Pharaoh, then who are these Philistines? Who are these Canaanites? Who are these, who are these little tribes in comparison to the superpower of the day? But yet still the problem Loom so large. But number two, you have doubt. What does doubt mean? If you look at the passage, doubt says that you minimize your ability. So here's what we do. My God. You maximize the problem that you see. Your, 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 your bank account can't handle the vision God's given you. So you maximize it and you focus not on the vision, but you focus on the bank account. And God is saying, I, the way I work is I don't show you the money first. You've got to walk in obedience, and as you walk in obedience, I will release the resources from heaven. We want too many of us that we, too many of us want it the other way around. God, show me so I can walk in confidence. No, because then you're going to take all the credit. God wants you to know when I say move, you want to move, and then I'll give it to you so you can get no credit. Everybody's going to say, "Yeah, that's all God." What I love about it is, here's what I love. This is what I love the most about the move of God. The Bible says that he takes the foolish and confound the wise. Here's what that means. He takes people who everybody know is not that good. And then he says to the rest of the world, I know that's why it's all me. Because <laughs> they're not that good. They're not that good. That's why you can't take the credit and you got to give it to God. But what we want is we want people to know, yeah, I can do this. I can do, I got this. I got this. No, that means you're going to get all the credit. God says, I'm not willing to share with you. Because it's about my kingdom, not yours. But we let the problem loom too large and then we minimize. Or we, can, can I show you what we do? <clears throat> Whenever we have a faith move and we have to walk in obedience, here's what we do. This is so sad. What we do and what we have a tendency to do is to focus on the weaknesses that we have. And then we blow up our weaknesses. We say, God, well, I can't do that. Here's why I can't do that, God. Because if I do, then this weakness is going to be blown up. And so you say you can't do it. Instead of realizing, you think God don't know your weaknesses? Here's what he says. In your weakness, I'll be made strong. 
Do you see how it's all about God? That's why you don't fear your weaknesses. Because God says, I know you and I'm still calling you to it. I know all your drama and I'm still calling you to it. Therefore, you got to trust me in the midst of your weakness. That's why the Apostle Paul said, hey God, can you take this away from me? Please take this thorn away. And, Paul, and God said to Paul, no, I got too much for you to do, Paul. And if I take it away, you might float like a butterfly. You might think this is all about you. And if you do, then you're going to steal my joy and my glory. So therefore, I'm going to leave it with you. Here's why. So that you can be humble and you can always remember why you need me so much in your life. So don't minimize your weakness. Don't, 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 don't belittle it. God is saying, I want to use that too to bring about my glory and to accomplish the work and the promise I have for you. So what we do is we maximize the problem. What we do is we minimize um, the abilities that we have and doubt, which then leads to discouragement. Now they're crying, which then leads to discontentment. God, why you didn't leave us in Egypt? Which then leaves, leads to you blaming God. When things don't work out, watch this now. When things don't work out, you just disobey God. It does not work out. You're wandering around and wandering around the wilderness, and you'd be like, God, really? You're going to kill us over here? No, I actually told you to go to Canaan. But because of your disobedience, now you want to blame me because you don't have stuff. And we do this all the time. We blame God for the current situation that we find ourselves in instead of blaming ourselves for our disobedience to God's move when he told us we should. This happens all the time in the life of believers. The problem is sometimes we don't connect the dots. And if you don't connect the dots, then you keep blaming God. You keep being, being discouraged. You keep being discontent, never realizing it's because you minimize your stuff and you maximize the problem. So then how do we look when we're looking through the eyes of faith? Let's take the switch now. And now we have to put on the faith glasses. And with God, what does it look like when I'm trusting you? What does it look like when I keep the promise in front of me? What does it look like when I minimize the problem and when I trust you with my weaknesses? God, what does that look like? Well, let me tell you the story. And let's go. Go to the middle of your handout. If you don't have it, by the way, just go to our app and download it. Or they'll put it in your in, in, the, in the chat right now so you can download it and you can look at us, look at it with us. It looks something like this. And let's talk about the eyes of faith. What does it look like? What are some markers to tell you that you're moving in the right direction? Here we go, everybody. Number one. Number one. We don't experience, ooh, <laughs> we don't experience our reality. We experience our perception of reality. Let me say it one more time. We don't experience our reality. We experience our perception of that reality. In other words, God says, I need you to believe. I need you to believe when you're carrying grapes, I don't want you to be worrying about the giants. You're carrying the grapes. That's what the text says. There were two people who had to carry the grapes. You saw the bounty that I'm getting ready to bless you with, but you're still believing in the giants. God says, I don't want I don't want your perception of the reality. I want you to keep your eyes on the promise. So what you should be focused on, ladies and gentlemen, is this thing right here called the promises of God that he has for you. He says, this is where I want you to focus, right here. I want you to move toward Canaan, always focused on the promises. Your assignment is, I know God's called me to that. 
I am not looking at the problems because this is what he's called me to. And you've got to have a razor focus on the promises if you're going to get there. Okay, okay, okay. Some of you are not feeling me. Um, when we first started our church, little did I know we were going to do this. We decided to do it. I had to beg and plead with Jada because she didn't want to be nobody's, nobody's first lady. And I said, can you please, if you don't mind, look at the promises of God and let's move in the right direction. I promise you, it probably took her six months to say, okay, maybe this is of God. Because the first time I told her, she says, that's not God. I promise she made a commitment early in life. She ain't marrying nobody who went to no seminary, and she ain't marrying nobody who is nobody's pastor. That's what she said. So then I had to do a lot of vision casting, a lot of inspiration. I had to get my spiritual father to help me out. I had about five people saying, listen, woman, I promise you, he going he to try and do this thing right for the glory of God. Uh, who hurt you, sis? It's going to be all right. Pastors are not that bad, all right? I brought this true story, by the way. Anyways, 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 so then we decided we're on the same page. We're moving in the right direction. Okay, let's do this for the glory of God. True story. Here's what happened next. So then we decided, watch this now. Then we decided, everybody told me, you have to plant the church in, in the south side because that's where all the African Americans are. Well, here's my problem. If you didn't want me in only black people in Jamaica. So if you're not calling me to plant it there, then wherever you call me to plant, it can't be only for black people. So I had to, you know what I did? I promise you, this is a true story. What I did next, I looked on the map, and I found out where are the least amount of black people. This is the God honest truth. You know where they were? Allen, Texas. So you know where I bought me a house? Allen, Texas. Where the least amount of black people are, let's go. That's where we're going. We're going right in it. Hey, here, here's what you need to know about God too. Whenever God gives you something to do, it's not going to look like the majority report. Oftentimes, it looks like the minority report. Because what happened with these guys is majority report usually, and because it was negative, it just went everywhere around the nation of Israel, and everybody believed the majority report, and nobody believed the minority report. Everybody said, no, you got to go down, you got to go to DeSoto, you got to go on that side. You cannot go north. I said, oh, no, who says so? That's where we're going to go. Anyways, so then I bought a house. Now, you know what you have to do when you're buying a house, right? If you know you're going to lose your job, you got to buy the house when you got a paycheck. <laughs> I don't recommend, by the way, I don't recommend this. <laughs> no. Anyways, so, so we had a paycheck. So I said, I'm going to buy the house. I said, Jenna, let's buy the house. Way more house. We've been living in an apartment for about five years or so. We said, we're going to buy Let's buy. So I had to buy the last paycheck. I said, see, mortgage company, I got a job. Give me that house. <laughs> then I lost my job. I didn't. I mean, they 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 blessed us as we went, and so, what I didn't know, and I didn't know it until I actually bought the house. A week later or so, I went back and you know packing stuff up, and and my pastor then says, "Hey, you know what? We decided to pay you for a year while you get this church going." Now let me help you out before you clap, because some of you are in that situation right now. I didn't know that when I bought the house. I had no clue because that's what faith is. God, I am convinced you're telling us to do this. 
My assignment then is to step out in faith and then let God deal with the rest of it. I am, I am okay looking like a fool, God, until you bless the socks off of your servant because you told me to go in that direction. By the way, let me make one more. Don't be, it can't be you alone that know that God has told you that. Because some people love to blame God for foolishness sometimes. You, 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 you got to make sure all the people around you are affirming that this is a move of God. I didn't want to do this. My, 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 my mentors around me said, it is clear God's hand is on you. Therefore, you must do this. So don't be walking around telling everybody, yeah, I heard from God. <laughs> when only you alone. Ain't nobody affirming that or confirming that. Just you alone. Can I get a witness, somebody? Because, you know, you got some lazy people that don't want to work talking about, yeah, I'm going to start my own thing. I heard from God. No, 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 no. If you can't keep a job, <laughs> if you can't keep a job, it might mean you shouldn't start your own nothing. Let me give you a principle right there, by the way. Let me give you a principle. Let me give you a principle right there. No other service got this but you. Here we go. Somebody in here need this. If you're not a good follower where you currently are, you shouldn't be a leader of nobody. That's for somebody. I don't know who. Whoever it is said, it's me. It's me. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So don't run nowhere until you have proven faithful right where you are. Don't run and take your mess of running to somewhere else because God's going to send you people like you. So everybody that starts working for you is going to run from you because you ran from the last. Ooh, that's so what. Anyways. Hey, hey, hey. Come on back. See? When you're not in here, I try to stay disciplined. When you're in here, you're trying to egg a brother on. Let's go to number two, okay? We're going to number two. Number two. <laughs> Your thoughts are the spies that determine if you take the next step. Back then, for these guys, it was actually ten spies that did that. Well, let me tell you how your thoughts go. You usually have ten bad thoughts for every two good thoughts. You do. Every time you see a promise, well, and you can tell the 10 things and the 10 reasons why you shouldn't do it. And usually there are only two thoughts that reminds you that, well, no, if God said so, you really should do it. So here's what you got to be careful about. You got to be careful that you are taking those 10 thoughts captive so they don't dominate and flood your heart. Because you'll always have doubts. That's part of the journey. You'll always wonder. That's part of the journey. But your assignment is to make sure you are keeping those thoughts captive and you are hearing God's word clearly so you can move toward what he's calling you to do. But you will have those negative thoughts, which is why you have to make sure in every which way you are doing your best to keep the, the word of God fresh. Let me, let me explain. Um, most of you, mo most people don't experience miracles, right? Um, but faith is what opens the door to miracles. That's how it goes. No faith, no miracles. You remember, you remember the man, um, the, there's a paralyzed man, and he needed to get healed, and he had four men that brought him to Jesus, but they couldn't get in the door, so they had to go on top, cut a, cut, a, cut a little opening in, and then let him down. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus says. The reason I'm healing him is not because of him. I'm healing him because of their faith. Because what faith does is it opens the door to miracles. Ladies and gentlemen, 
what some of us have to learn to do is to take those two thoughts, drill them in our hearts so that when the negative thoughts come, we're remembering what God's word says. This is why you must memorize the word of God. Because you're going to need it sometimes when every thought around you is negative. You're going to need it sometimes. I'm so glad that I got some mentors that, 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 that reminded me. Because they said, Conway, when you first started, you would risk anything. Then, then why are you not willing to risk it all now? If God is telling you to go in a direction, why wouldn't you risk it all? It's not your church, it's his. Then why are you so afraid? He says, and here's what they said, all of them have massive churches. And they said, here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why. Because you care too much about how you look. You care too much about how you look. When you started, you had nothing. And look what I did. So why now? You're afraid not to go back to nothing? It's okay if that's what he wants for you. But here's what you cannot do. You cannot cower in fear because you might lose something. Then you're walking in fear. You're not walking, say it with me, in Watch those negative thoughts, family. Come on, I got to go. Watch those negative thoughts. See, here's what they told me, negative thoughts. You ready for these? Here's what they told me. They said, if you're going to start, then you're going to need $200,000 to start. Don't ever do it in a hotel, is what they said. Don't ever do it in a hotel. And if you're going to start it, you have to wait till you have kids. Negative thoughts, negative thoughts. This is what all the, all the, all the consultants and pro professionals say. You know why I'm telling you these stories? Because I want you to remember. God says all the time, remember, remember, remember. What the children of Israel did not do, they didn't remember that. That same God that was telling them to take it is the same God that got them from Pharaoh. So if God's good enough to get you from Pharaoh, then why the heck are you afraid of where he's going to take you next? So they said, yeah, don't, 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 don't do that. You need $200,000 to start it. We had twenty. But I had never seen a $20,000 check before, and I was like, whoa, we got a lot of money. <laughs> then they said, hey, man, you know, not only that, you can't start in a hotel. Go to a school, and you have to have full lights, camera action. And I said, no, I, I, I don't have any. I'm going to this hotel. Because the hotel was right across, right on the freeway. Everybody know where it is. They just drive in and go. That's where I'm going. And I said, don't do that because they'll shut you down and you can't have church sometimes and you can't do something. And I said, no, 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 we're going to a hotel. So we started in the hotel. Let me tell you, that's the biggest blessing we've ever done. Here's why. Here's why. Because, because we've only, I think it was two days total in the three and a half years that we were in that hotel. Only two days did we miss. That's absolutely unusual. But when you have the favor of God, you don't worry about what your naysayers say. Watch this. It's not done. It's not done. Then number two, they said, well, they're not going to let you, they're not going to let you just take the whole morning. They, they gave us from six o'clock at night till nine, six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. It's the only way we could have four services and around 1,500 people. Because they gave us all day long on a Sunday. What? Yeah, all day long. They missed business just so that the favor of God, that's what happens when you got favor. Watch it. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Then they said, you need an office. I didn't have no office. I said, my office is going to be that hotel. 
if I'm paying them that much money to stay there all day Sunday, that's going to be my office the rest of the week. They don't have nothing else in there to do but guests coming in and out. That's going to be my office. Then, they, then I said to them, y'all need to give me breakfast because I come here all the time. So give me breakfast for free. In the deal. So they gave me breakfast. Here's what that meant. Every time I had to meet with somebody, we met at that hotel. Guess who paid for it? The hotel paid for it. Everything we needed when we needed a boardroom to meet. I said, hey, man, since we're here already, the boardroom ain't being used. Let's just use your boardroom. They threw that in, too. So every, I paid one bill, and I had a whole office suite and attendance working with the favor of God. No, let me help you out. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. <laughs> if you go there today, ain't nobody else ever got that deal. Let me tell you why. Because one, when God says you need to go somewhere, he says, I'm going to go before you. Watch this. I'm going to pick the manager that's at that hotel. So she, in the times where she, will have the favor of God towards you because this is your season when you're answering my desire for you. So what, if you go there right now, they say, oh, yeah, no, 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 we don't do two. And if we do two, you only get one hour. And, uh, yeah, you can't meet here. And everything changed. Here's why. Because when God has moved you on, then the favor leaves and goes where you go. My, I wish I had a witness in here. There's somebody right now that wants to start something and you've been hesitating. You've been afraid. You've been nervous and you're looking at all the problems. You see somebody right now that wants to go to the next level in your business, but you're still afraid and you're still saying, well, hold on. I got to risk all of this again. Yeah, that's what faith means. You're trusting God, not in your ability, not in your logic, not in your finances. It's not going to add up because if it does, listen to me, then you get all the credit, not God. Here we go. Number, number three. Uh, number three. Number three says, number three says, um, the report you believe determines the future, listen, determines the future you experience. The report you believe determines the future you experience. Let's go quickly. The report you believe. See, there is, there is news and then there's the report of the news. There is news. That's the facts. That's really what happened. Then there is the report of the facts. What sometimes what most of us do is we listen to what other people say about what we should do instead of go look at the facts yourself. And you're depending on what God tells you to do and you're depending on somebody else, the information to go through somebody else before it gets to you. And you depend on too many other people that you don't know have the favor of God upon them, so you believe their report. Uh, uh, AKA, what do I mean by that? The 10 spies. All the people believe the 10 spies on what they had to say and none of them believed the two. So therefore they stayed for 40 years. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you stuck for 38 more years. I want you to be free. But that means you've got to know who is giving the report. Because the report better be based on the facts on the ground, not somebody's interpretation of the facts. That's all we have now, by the way. Any news challenge you, news channel you turn on right now, all you're hearing is a report about and an interpretation of the facts. You're not getting the truth. You're getting from none of them. All you're getting is what their spin on it is. That's why you got to go to the source. That's why you got to figure it out of yourself. That's why you got to re re read what 10 people say to figure out what the, what the common core is. 
But too many of us are depending on what everybody else got to say instead of what God has to say about the situation. Let me give you the last two, and then, and then we'll move in a direction. Here we go. Last two. Number three. Number four, excuse me. Number four. Here's what it says. Don't ever forget this. Dry places will make you seek God. Dry places will make you seek God. Don't you ever forget this. See, as you go from Egypt to Canaan, there are going to be some dry places. And in dry, those dry places, let me tell you what they're designed to be. It's when your family can't speak to you. They don't want to hear your, your view anymore, your vision anymore. It's when your friends, they've abandoned you, and it's you alone, and God is setting you up. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's trying to wane you off of how you thought in Egypt so that you can solely depend on him. Don't ever minimize these. These are critical. He's trying to wane you off of how you thought in Egypt so that he can train you up in how to depend on him. Don't minimize those. Let me tell you the story. I was convinced when we were at that hotel doing four services, I'm mad at God because I'm saying, God, I'm tired. I don't want to do no more four services. How am I going to lead these people? You call me to do this. And now we locked up in this hotel. We can't go nowhere. We have all these people and we're going to look like fools. What's wrong with you, God? So then I looked outside of the hotel and I saw a building that I loved. I really loved the building. It was an incredible building. It was unique. It was creative. I said, yeah, that's us. What I didn't know back then, which I knew do know now they only had about a hundred parking spots ladies and gentlemen we wouldn't be anywhere where we are today if we only had a hundred parking spots okay we have 900 here and we still can't handle it and God's been gracious but listen to me I prayed for that building I fasted for that building I marched around that building and I begged God for that building is there anybody in here who's grateful that there's some prayer request that God does not answer I'm trying to help somebody because God said, hey, I'm not answering that. And I said, God, come on, God. How can you do this, God? Give me what I want. There's some of you right now praying for something. And God's not answering. And you're saying, God, why? Why, God? This is what, this is what I want. And it looks like what he wants for you too. And he's saying, that's not what I want for you. And you'll be praying. I promise you, I made people march around that building. Oh, we finna get this. In the name of Jesus, this is to be. This is it. Here's why. Here's why. Listen, 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 listen. Because that's all I could see. That was right outside of the hotel. That's all I could see. That's why every now and again you need to blindfold yourself. For real. Just blindfold yourself and say, God, everything that I can see, I want you to remove. And I want you to show me what you want for me. Because every now and again, God didn't answer that prayer. Here's why. Because I kept driving by this building. And I was driving by the building, driving by, and, and my heart kept moving in that direction. Now, how is it that the God of the universe can move your heart to look at a building that's not for sale? There's never been, it's not in nobody's book as for sale. Ain't nobody know. But he's just moving on my heart. That's the building, that's the building, that's the building, that's the building. Until one day I got so mad, I said, God, hey, man, go, I, I called my boy and I said, hey, go see. I don't know why, but go see. I think that's the perfect building. Go see. And he goes and sees. This is everything I'm about to tell you is the truth. Why do they say? The moment my realtor comes in, he's, they say, wow, just last night. Watch God's timing now. But not, not before, not two weeks before. Just last night, we were praying about what to do with this building. 
because we have too much building and not enough ministry. So we're looking for somebody who would take it from us. Can I say thank you, God, for not answering my prayer? No, 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 no. No, let me show you how great your God is. God says, when I called you to Allen, and I didn't just want you in Allen. I wanted you in all of Cowan County. So here's what I'll do. Since you're praying a foolish prayer for what you don't know, I'm going to put you in the center of Collin County. If you look across the street, that's Frisco. If you look where you are, that's Plano. If you look across Custer, that's Allen. If you look in the diagonal direction, that is McKinney. He says, when I called you up here, I'm calling you, my house, just like it was back in the day with the children of Israel, to be in the center of the whole community. So you can't pray no prayer that I don't want you. Why are you looking for lesser stuff when I've called you for something greater? No, let me tell you something. I can't take credit for it because this not the building I wanted. I wanted another one. And by the way, if we're in that one, if we're in that one, we wouldn't. We, we would be a, a, a fraction of where we are today. But God, in all his wisdom, thought, I'm not going to answer this fool's prayer because I've got bigger plans than he can see. I wonder what God's saying to you today. What are you asking God for that's on the lower shelf when he's asking you to go up a notch and pray bigger prayers? Can I get a witness, somebody? Come on, family. One more. One more and then I'm done. Here's the last one. Last one, then I'm done. Woo! Do, do not ever miss this one. The closer you get to the promises, the less miracles will appear. See right here? That he had to get them out of Egypt, so he parted the Red Sea. The, 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 um, the, when you're just coming out of slavery, you're just coming out of bondage, you're just coming out, he's going to do all kinds of miracles to get you going. But the closer you get to the promise... Miracles are still happening. You're just not aware of them. They're in the background of your life. He's working things out and bringing people in and out because he wants to go and take you to the next level. Listen to me. Do not miss this. But don't look for miracles the closer you get to the promise. Because what he's doing is he's now having you depend completely, not upon what he can do for you, but on your personal relationship with him. Because he wants to know, do you really just want the promise or do you want the person? And our problem is sometimes the promise can get so good, you want the promise more than you want Jesus. That's why he has to, he has to tone down on the miracles to examine your heart to see if what you really want is him. Or are you still looking just for the stuff he can do for you? Be careful that it's not about your kingdom, and not God's kingdom. Be careful, family, because we get so caught up in this that it's going to be, ooh, look at me, when we should be saying, ooh, look at God. That's why the best thing you can say when you leave here is God had a word for me, not pastor did so good, but God deposited a word in me because if you ever make it about me and not about him, then that's the quickest way for him to take the turtle from off the fence post and put it back on the ground. So where are we going as a church? Here we go and then I'm done. Where are we going as a church? I don't know how far and where we headed, all that. But here's what I know right now, then I'll give you one illustration and then we're done. 
um, as we make this pivot, look at the back of your notes, as we make this pivot uh, from this house being the lighthouse to your house being the lighthouse, we're asking God for 10,000 people. We have about 1,500 right now, and we're asking God, if we're going to make this well, in the next two years, God, we need 10,000 people that will say, I'll make the shift. I want my house. I want to become who God's called me to be. I want to be the priest of my community. I want to be my house to be the lighthouse. I want people when they want to know, hey, man, I need, I, need, I need prayer. I want them to know you can call that person. You can go to that house. I want your Christianity to be such on display that people know there's a consistency between what you say and what you do. We're going to raise up what we're calling neighborhood champions who believe that God has allowed them the privilege to live in that community, not because it's nice although that's appropriate too, but because he wants a lighthouse right there. Number two, number two, we're passionate about no student walking away from their faith in college. None. We're passionate about it. 80% of students, do you hear this? 80% of students, when they go to college, walk away from their faith. In this church, we are, we are, we are dialed in, locked and loaded that these kids are going to love God all the way through their four years of college. And that their faith will remain strong because we're going to put a hook in their hearts. And we're going to equip the parents to put a hook in their hearts. So that no matter how far they deviate, they'll always come back knowing that there is only one God and his name is Jesus. My brothers and sisters, listen to me. You, better, you, you would have hoped that your church, when you were going through, would have done that for you. So don't you dare treat it softly because you have an opportunity to do for others what was never done for you. And so we're committed to it fully. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to spend every resource we can to make sure that that generation coming through middle and high school, right now, we're committed to make sure none of them, not one, walk away from their faith. Number three, check it out. We're going to rebrand Christianity. Right now, Christianity is linked to a political party. Right now, Christianity is linked to only what you can do for me. Give me the money. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And we're going to rebrand it. We're going to show, at least this era is where we're going to start, and then take it out from here, that Christianity means, uh, not that I want you to serve me, but I want to serve you. So we're going to believe in the best for our community, and we're going to do everything we can to be winsome in our community for the glory of God. That's why we're doing unity table. That's why you're going to start seeing unity table signs and billboards all around here. Here's why. Because the culture can't solve the racial issue. Only the church can if you change the heart. So we're going to use a concept called the unity table. And we're going to say if every person reaches out to somebody that does not look like them, we have begun the process of transformation one heart at a time. I don't have to tell you about Jesus. Just look at my life and you'll know that something is different when you ask me, then I can tell you about my Jesus. But it is his love that will convict you, not just what I say out of my mouth. Can I get a witness, one family? But we're going to rebrand it. I'm telling you, we're going to rebrand it. You're going to see us do some stuff for closing the wealth gap. And so let's do some stuff, which is why we're focusing on entrepreneurs, which is why we have an entrepreneurial summit coming up, because we're going to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to do things that they only dreamt of before. That's why that becomes so important, which is why we have to create a safety net for people to take risks. And you'll talk about that some more as we go on. Then we're going to be digital and, and physical. So we're going to have this whole thing called OCCTV. And we just, we just brought in one of the best couples communicators in the nation. And he just did 
15 videos and a masterclass for us. And we're going to do this every semester, providing the best content anywhere for couples, for students, for women, for men, for kids. We're going to do it. And we're going to do it for business leaders. We're going to do it because we're convinced that God's now calling us to go a little broader than we thought in North Texas. And we're going to produce content that can go places we can't ever be. But that's a part of where we're going. And then lastly, we're going to expand or regional influence, which means we're going to figure out, God, where are you moving next and where do you want us to go regionally? Here's why. This is important. Because he's called us to pastor the people we're close to and influence the people that are far away. Our job is to pastor the people we're close to. That's what we're going to be held accountable for. That's what we are going to be held accountable for and we're committed to it. I'm done. That's all I got. Let me pray for us. We'll hear some more about faith next week. Father, thank you. for the agitation. Thank you for not allowing us to be comfortable. Thank you for the last 12 years and what you've done. And we eagerly look forward to what you're going to do. Will you increase the faith of every person in this house, every person that's watching us online? Will you increase our faith so that you will blow every one of our minds with what you're going to do this year and next year in the life of every believer gathered at one community church. Every single one, whether digitally or physically. Will you blow every circuit in our brains as you do stuff we never dreamt, we never thought was possible apart from God? Will you challenge us? Will you stir us? Will you not let us be comfortable? Will you let us risk again? Will you let us trust you again? Will you let us step out even, there, even if there's nothing to step on? And will you help us to wait and see what God will do? We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Come on, somebody. Give God a round of applause right where you are.